Hey, hey, remarkable people. This is Tracy Robbins, and you are listening to Thy Neighbor Podcast. This podcast is designed to inspire you to expand your community, to connect more often with those who are in your path, and of course, to love thy neighbor as thyself. You will hear from individuals in my day-to-day life who are crushing it and making the world a more lovely place to inhabit. Have a listen. So today we are going to have just a brief conversation um, on the principle of playing to win. So Holly introduced me to this concept, I feel like, many moons ago at BYU-Idaho, but it's something that continues to show up in our lives and is a beautiful concept that I want to discuss today. So Holly, will you share with us what playing to win means? Yeah, well, I think I need to share the story of some of those playing to win and how I learned that story. So um, I am very tall. I'm 6'4". And uh, when I was in high school, my freshman year of high school, I basically was uh, pulled in by my hair to play basketball at the high school basketball team. And I ended up loving it. It ended up being uh, such a powerful influence in my life. And um, my junior year, I was playing a summer ball game. And uh, it was uh, with St. Joe. And it was a tight game. The whole time we got to halftime, we were we had made a little bit of a pull up ahead by maybe eight points, and uh, my coach was like, "Okay, you know, like we're we're good. We've we have a lead. Let's just keep that lead. Let's expand that lead. And give us some motivation of how we're going to do it. We get back on the court, um, and and we our lead expanded for a little bit of time, but the last quarter it dropped." And all of a sudden, our lead went to being tied, and we went into overtime, and we lost the game. And our coach took us in uh, to the locker room, and she's like, guys, it was just, you had it. It was in your hands, and it seemed like you got out there at halftime, and and you put your hands up at the door, and you said, don't lose, don't lose, don't lose. And, and instead of walking in and saying, we're going to win, we're going to win. And it was, it was a big lesson for me at that time of uh, playing to win versus playing not to lose and in life in general, that there are times that an opportunity comes along and instead of walking in confidently and saying, we're going to win, that, uh, that sometimes we walk in, or I walk in with my hands under my eyes closed, going, don't lose, don't lose, and, like, bracing myself for for an attack versus going in on the offense. Yeah, and I think that for this, of course, has applied to Holly and I in our dating lives, um, and individually, as we've looked at our lives and said, am I playing to win or am I playing to lose? Am I, am I committing myself to the win versus don't lose, don't lose. And I think that we've discussed Mm -hmm. this before previously, Mm -hmm. how 
in our lives, we've had those same moments where we thought, oh my goodness, why, why am I in this relationship just waiting for it to crumble instead of waiting for it to blossom, putting in investing for the, the win? And I think that that's an interesting, why do we do that? You know, <laughs> why do we not play to win? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that there's, um, there's a lot that goes into the thought process of walking in, playing to win. Um, I, there's a lot of, a lot of barriers that we can put up, um, uh, letting past experiences influence our future. Maybe how we're jaded because of, of how relationships have, have treated us in the past. And we let those thought patterns um, predict our future instead of making it a clean slate. Um, uh, another basketball analogy, uh, you know, if you will, um, you know, Tracy and I were, were, you know, we're both in our thirties and, uh, still single, which to, uh, you know, Mormon culture can seem, um, a little more, we'll say mature <laughs> for being single. And, um, I remember uh, when my sister, uh, she, my younger sister, she got married and, and she was, uh, she's a, a few years younger than me. And, um, and I, I mean, I think overall, I get the positive attitude about, you know, I'm so excited that my sister's getting married. I mean, but I have to be honest, there was this little ping of, oh, you know, I'm the only one who's single in my family. And this one night, um, it was, wow, it was New Year's Eve. And I don't know why our family decided to on New Year's Eve, but we decided to watch Father of the Bride um, with um, oh, uh, something Martin, Steve Martin. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's about this, it's about this wedding, and it's hilarious. And it was a childhood favorite movie of mine. And it's, I hadn't seen it since I was like, I don't know, 12. And, um, and I was 29 at the time. And I remember feeling like, wow, there's like, I, I see this movie so differently. And, and that, that thing of, of why I hadn't, hadn't gotten married. And, um, I remember I was, um, I was visiting my parents. I was walking up to, um, my room upstairs that I was staying in and, and I, I was having this thought process of, of, um, this guy that I had been dating. Um, and, and I initially hadn't really been dating him. I had gone on like a couple of dates. I really had a big crush on him. And, um, and I, I just, I let things kind of just go by the wayside. I was like, Oh, you know, I wish, I wish things had worked out with this one guy. And in my mind, my mind went back to a, a basketball game uh, that I remember watching at BYU-Idaho of some friends that were in a major losing game. And um, this guy went up for the layup, and he totally missed. And and I was like, yeah, it was like that. You know, it was like he had this big, I mean, because they were losing so bad, he just went up tossed the ball up and it didn't make it in and just kind of stood there and hung his head down. And I was like, I feel like that's me right now. It's just like trying to go up to the layup, had a clear layup 
holiness. And, um, and as I was thinking that, it was this wonderful, like, spiritual moment at that, at that time because I, another thought interceded and it was my coach's voice saying, steal the fire, steal the fire. And, and steal the fire is a term that my coach used when we were at the end of the game and we needed a few more points and steal meant steal the ball or fire meant foul meant like attack aggressively to stop the clock. And, um, and, and a lot of times we would, we would have steal the fire and we'd, we'd end up winning the game, especially if it was Nick to Nick. He'd call out steal the fire and we just knew it was all guns out. We were going to do everything we could to win. And, um, it was really interesting because one of the summers that I played, uh, ball, um, I was on a losing team and, um, this is like summer before my senior year. We were on a losing team. Like we had lost so many games that summer. But every single game, we'd get to the end, and it didn't matter whether we were down two points or down twenty. My coach would yell out, "Steal the fire!" And I remember there would be times that I'd say to myself, "Why? <laughs> Why are we doing steal the fire? We're gonna lose. There's no way we're gonna win this game." And and I'd be like, okay, all right, steal the fire. And I'd be like, you know, aggressively try to steal the ball, try to stop the clock, because we'd lose anyway. But it wasn't until that moment when I was walking up the stairs, I mean, it was like, what, 12 years later, that I understood why my coach would say that. And it was, the message was so clear. It was like, I, I don't care what the score is. I don't care whether it's, you know, minus two or minus 50. To me, like the score is zero, zero. And you got to play like that, no matter what. And, and Christ is saying the same thing to us but on a spiritual level. That it's like, it doesn't matter whether the score is, is in, our, in our scorebook, whatever we determine the scorebook to be. It doesn't matter whether that scorebook is zero zero or um you know whether we feel like we're down 50 whether we feel we're down 20 i mean to him he's gonna he's he's making it a plain playing field today and steel to fire is giving your all today regardless of what the past has been like the next day i i called him up and and talked to him and um, when I um, got back to Utah, we went on a date, and we ended up dating for quite a while um, because I I chose to to keep trying to play to win, and um, and I I think that whole idea like of of getting up and keeping on keep on trying um, it can be hard as time goes by. It can be hard to say, all right, I'm going to get back on that horse again. Um, but I think the thing to also note that as, as we're doing steal the fire, which is like that end, I love that. That, <clears throat> that crunch time when you feel like the pressure is on and you really want something that when you're in that, that steal the fire mode, that, that 
that's the time that you're being purified the most. That's the time when all the the imperfections of your soul are bubbling to the surface. And man, they can be so like in your face and visual and you can see all the gunk that has just been deep in your heart. But the purifying process of trying again and again and seeing where those weaknesses lie that you didn't know were there, that's the time when you can really become purified and and become that steel um, that, that you want to become. How do we, I mean, in the, the whole how aspect, I'm like, these are really great ideas. Like, I love them. I love the idea of playing to win. But when we're in things and we really are in our heads about things where we're feeling like, oh, this person probably isn't that into me or da 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 you know, whatever we may, as a, the defeating thoughts that we may have, how do we stay just present in the present instead of, you know what I mean? How do we stay present? Cause, I'm still working on that. Because I think that. that that's a really yeah, big challenge I and still- I don't know if even women, I mean, I heard somebody say to me recently, like, you know, women are designed to look to the future and to see the progress, you know, to see how they're going to progress. They want to progress. And that's one of our blessings as well as what appears to be mm-hmm. one of our curses is that we're the ones who are ready to move a move forward, right? But sometimes, or maybe not so much, but even in that regard that I, I sometimes feel like I just have a hard time staying present, staying in the present moment instead of worrying about the future. Yes, and I, I agree with you. Um, and, and future telling in a negative way. Yeah. Um, because because that's that's where I think that's where we fall off. It's not that we um, future tell; it's that we we put the reel of the story at something negative, that it's not going to work out, that it's it's going to fall apart, that there you know this person you know that it's almost like <laughs> I feel like sometimes it's like you're dating the boogeyman and. For me, like I'm dating the boogeyman when I have that negative reel that something awful is going to happen. And because you're nervous about that, then your your receptors are out to find what you're looking for. So you see that that person does something that you disagree with and out goes the baby with the bathwater mm-hmm. instead of instead of just being like, oh, that's an interesting quirk or, oh, that's something that I wonder what that's, wonder what that's all about. Um, oh, I love that. So I mean, honest, it's so true. true. <laughs> so true. I just feel like there's these times where in my, in your current situation, whatever it may be that you're, you're looking to the future and there's this part of you that's like, I don't want to waste people's time. I don't want them to waste my time. And I'm like, why do we have this attitude of wasting time? Why don't we say it as like, I, why are we creating so much pressure, like wasting time, that phrase? I'm like, I don't like that phrase. I never have. Um, I've always felt like it was so, it's an ugly phrase. phrase. And people are like, well, I don't want people to waste my time. I'm like, what? Like you're having a human experience. I mean, I, I feel like there are things where we can be respectful of one another's time, like respect my time, but wasting time because no matter what experiences you have there can be things learned from that but when we say well that guy I don't want him to waste my time it's like well well 
maybe it's a, you don't want your emotional yeah. energy. It's not really wasting your time is actually a cover for another emotion. You know, feeling like somebody is yeah. actually going to be taking away from where you could be putting your energy. And I think that's important. I think it's important to conserve energy for things that can be more productive for us than for relationships in which we are exuding so much effort. And in reality, it's not profiting us at all. So, and, and I would say this in the regards that just yeah. with men, for example, when I feel like they are investing in me, it actually does create more pressure for me because I think, oh my goodness, they actually like uh-huh. me or, oh my goodness, they are investing. Do I want them to invest in me? And when somebody doesn't mm-hmm. invest in me, I think, well, why aren't they investing in me? And I'm like, oh, my goodness. What a contradiction. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and for me, like, Tracy, I, I just before I go on, I just want to say, like, how appreciative I am of that comment. Because I think that's something that I've caught myself saying is, oh, I don't want to waste their time. You know, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Oh, you know, like, I don't want to cause them pain, you know. And... And it's like, no, this is this is something we're in together. And and one thing that has helped me in in more recent years to to take that pressure off of of investing is um is me focusing on my own personal investment, my own personal contribution to that relationship. That might be um I, you know, taking the time to do something small like, you know, buy them a, a thank you gift for when they take you on an amazing date or, um, you know, uh, or uh, writing them a card or, or, or taking, taking the initiative saying, you know, like, no, we did this date. I'm going to, I'm going to leave the next date. You know? And I mean, especially if you're in the long haul with someone, I mean, obviously there's, there's different stages of dating and, and, um, but if, if those times when, when I am worried about, wasting an individual's time or hurting an individual if I focus on what I can do to contribute to that individual's uh, emotional well-being and and make their day more positive then I stop focusing on it's it stops being a uh, an egocentric dating relationship it starts being like a uh, how can I help them not egocentric uh, egocentric is more word, but I think right. selfish that it's all about me. Um, that it's more about how can I how can I invest so that this person profits? And getting outside yourself and and seeing it as a, a what can I do to contribute to this person's life? Because those are the relationships that I I feel like even though they don't work out, that I can walk away and feel good about them. That I I gave my all ever since I started um, my own personal program of steal the fire and playing to win and making sure that I would, I didn't walk away being the last person to look like that. I walked away being the last person to love. Um, oh, so it's, brave. It's, it's like you can walk voice. away. Oh, it's, it's hard. It's hard because you're the one, um, you're the one who's offering the potential of the relationship. Instead of being the person when we're afraid to love, we start controlling the relationship by by loving less rather than being the person who offers the potential of the relationship by loving more. And I learned this kind of the hard way. 
I feel like, um, you know, in, in my twenties, I, there were times that I, um, dated in fear and to, to feel in control. I would, I would control the relationship by loving less, by, um, being one under that person. And, and especially when I felt insecure about a relationship, like, Oh, it's so tempting still. Like, you know, you're not sure if that guy really likes you. So you're gonna, you're gonna lay low and you're not going to really show your interest because you don't know if they're going to really want that. And, you know, you want to make sure it's safe. Mm -hmm. So yeah. anyway, and it's, it's like a, so it, it's, I've learned that it, it, for me, it's really destructive to think that way. And, um, and I remember, um, a relationship that I was in where I saw myself doing that. And, um, and I, I was reading my scriptures and I, um, realized that in, in that course that it's like, it's like a relationship with Christ. Sometimes we, in our pride, um, can, can try and control our relationship through prayer and scripture study by, and, and being demanding of what we want by, by loving him less. Or sometimes we can, uh, we can offer our whole hearts to him and, and, and be submissive and, and willing to, to do what he wants us to do and love with all our heart, mind, mind and strength and not be afraid of the outcome. And, and I think sometimes for me and my, and my pride, um, and my desire to not be hurt, I can control uh, a relationship by, by loving less. And, and when I, when I realized that, um, it kind of like hit me over the head and I, and I saw the pattern of me doing that in my life. And I, I was like, I'm never doing this again. And yeah, I mean, there's been times where I've been in a relationship where I was the one who was loving more. And, and loving more doesn't mean that you're becoming a doormat. It doesn't mean that you're um, overwhelming the other person. You don't want to overwater the plant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's what I like to say. You don't want to you want to douse this person with love to the point where they're like drowning if the plant dies. It's, it's just being willing to be vulnerable. It's being willing, to, I mean, that's such a crazy word nowadays, yeah. isn't it? But being willing to be the first to love and to be the last to love. And that could be, as a woman, that's a little hard because, you know, um, I, I feel like up until I, I realized that um, I, was, I was such a victim of dating, like that I'd be like, I have to wait for him to ask me on the date. I have to wait for him to, you know, call me or, or text me. And, and it doesn't have to be that way. Um, that, I mean, in a way that you can be a proactive dater as a woman and, and, and not that you're taking over the guy's role, but you can be, you can be warm and inviting. You can be, um, you can show your interest in your body language and, 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 and then sometimes taking that risk and, and saying, hey, it would be fun to do something together. Or even having an idea like, hey, there's this thing going on, you want to come. And um, so that might be loving first at the beginning of a relationship. But at the end, loving, uh, you know, as a relationship 
progressive, you know, those, those moments where, you know, inevitably you're going to find that you're not on the same page about something. And I, I think that's when, you know, you really can test the strength of a relationship is those moments when you, when you, when you find that you're on a different page with that person and what you're going to do in that moment. Um, are you going to, are you going to um, communicate? Are you going to, loving person would be to take that initiative um you know uh and i think also there's something know, would, maybe there's just in my part of me that when i hear that to some degree like are you going to take the initiative which is being vulnerable right are you going to take that are you going to choose vulnerability uh-huh. or are you going to choose to love less or to be less risk risky like to take a lower risk do something that's uh-huh. doesn't require you to maybe potentially be hurt and I guess there's this part of me that's like, I guess mm-hmm. I don't want anyone to listen and think like that's also an excuse for people. You know what I mean? Because no. I think that there's that part of no. me that's like, well, I don't want people to feel like it's, they're, we're giving people excuses for, you know what I mean? Like no. loving the most I, is I, showing up I, um, completely and being present in that relationship yeah. in a in a more uh-huh. wholehearted way, right? Um, Brene Brown coming yeah, through, when, but I just feel like, you know, showing up in a wholehearted way is is different than than not uh-huh. holding up your values, right? Values and, and, and a respect yes. are very different yes. in this context. Just want to clarify that. Yes. Like, yes, there's there's a lot of things that we have to define of what is not being the one that's first to love and to, to love the most. Um, loving the most is one, it's not, like I said, it's not overwatering the plane. It's not... You know, when obviously if, if you've given your heart and you've shown your interest and you feel like you've made that effort and that person is not reciprocating, maybe because they're not interested, it doesn't mean that you douse them with more water. It, it, it doesn't mean that you, you know, you have to, I like, I like to think of, of relationships like every plant is different, right? And so, you know, this person might be a very succulent plant. <laughs> said at the beginning of a relationship that you might only have be able to water like once a week you know or or maybe you find that the the relationship the the person that you're dating is a plant that needs nutrients every single day and and you have to you have to gauge that it's hard to gauge because every plant is different every person is different and so knowing knowing and being receptive of how much to water that plant and giving them the proper nutrition that they need. That is, that is loving more. It's not, it's, it's, it's not, you know, letting the plant wait until you see it starting to brown because you're not watering it for you water. And it's not, it's not, um, you know, over dousing it to the point where the plant drowns. Um, so that's, that's one thing that it's not. I always want to say like, how, how do I do the things that the ideas I talk about, you know? So how, how does one uh-huh. show up in a vulnerable way in a relationship? You know what I mean? Like what's the how of it, not just the idea of it. I always want to give like an action yeah. that people can take or say or an actual yeah. example. So for example, there's a guy who's shown significant interest. You, he's, he's looking for validation. He's looking for you to respond or to, in, you know, send that text message yeah. or, you know what I mean? There's. There are things yeah. that you can do, and I, I feel like my friend, you know, Steph just barely, she talked to me about this conversation she's been having with this guy, 
And she just basically said to him, hey, here's my podcast that I did with another podcast called Ticked. And they talk about things that, you know, make the person <laughs> ticked off, like the things that tick people off. And one of the things that ticks her off is when guys uh-huh. put her in the friend zone. And they're just like, well, what if you introduce me to your lady friends? It's like, no, don't do that to me. You know, like I'm not in that square. I'm attracted to you. You're attracted to me. Please don't put me in a place that I don't want to be placed, you know. And she basically did it in a very loving way where she's like, I would love to spend more time with you, but I won't be friend zoned. I talked about you in this podcast. You should check it out, you know. And he immediately responded. was like, well, I want to take you out again. And so, um, but I just feel like women who, women who show their, their standards are actually the women that men want. And so that's something that, you know, in the whole loving first thing, I love that principle so much. And I think that I want to, I just want to further like dig into that, you know, because I feel yeah. like the biggest thing I've learned is that if I, I, as a woman seeing what I expect of a man is so much more empowering for them and for me. And if every single woman in the world mm-hmm. was doing that to the men in their life, Think of how much we would be benefiting everyone. You know, we would be benefiting our entire female. Yeah. Our gender would be empowered because we wouldn't be seeing each other as competition, but we would be seeing each other as people who are training each other so that these men will be the best men. Uh-huh. When we, You know what I mean? Like when individuals do come into our lives that we're going to end up being with, we should be, I mean, I just praise uh-huh. the name and the praises. I sing praises to all the women who have come before me who've trained men to be better men. And, and I want us yeah. to be in that mindset, yeah. you know what I mean? Amongst women that we are helping yeah. each other succeed yeah. in, in this, you know, in this journey. So. Yeah. Well, and I think that takes, yeah, it definitely takes a different mentality. I think sometimes we, we as women or people in general take a scarcity right. mentality when <clears throat> we walk into a room and. Yeah, we see like oh, there's only so many guys in this room, and there's so many women in this room. So, um, but I, I mean, to tie another thought in, like, but a whole idea of loving first and playing to win, they really do go hand mm-hmm. in hand. And so, um, that that when you play to win, um, you're playing to, with love. You're you're playing with love in your heart, and your intention is love. And you can't, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't have love and fear at the same time. So um, that playing not to lose is when you are not giving your whole heart to to something because you're afraid of losing. Mm-hmm. 